Hey everyone, welcome to the Unconventional Podcast, where we are going to get right under the skin of the modern day workplace, and more importantly, how the ever-evolving neurodiverse world fits into it. Cue the dramatic music. Now my guest today is a lady by the name of Sarah Grant. Now Sarah is an image consultant empowering women and men to look and feel great from the inside out. Now Sarah actually approached me following a post on LinkedIn about guests for the podcast. And I was intrigued because there's no mention of neurodiversity anywhere on Sarah's LinkedIn. But I do believe that building confidence in neurodiverse people is an essential part of making sure they feel positive and integrated and included in the world that we live in. So Sarah, thanks for joining us and a huge welcome. Um, I'm going to hand over to you in just a second and just, just so that you can give us a little bit of background on you, where the, where the image consultant idea came from um, and the motivation behind it. Uh, well, about must be 15, I might be even 16 years now. Um, my husband left and left with a good friend of mine. So, you know, that left me in a really dark place. I had three children. I think at 12, 14, Ashley had left home working with horses. I think she was 17 at the time. You lose track of time in the end. Um, so it was left me in a really dark place. And it was, you know, looking at the emotional needs of my children as much as anything else, because they were the ones that were really going to be affected. Obviously, I was too. Um, so for a couple of years, I was in a very dark place. And then I remember one day a friend of mine said, come on, Sarah, let's get your match.com. So off we trodden, we did, we signed up. And I mean, I must admit, it was so funny. It was all the winks that come in and we'd get together and we'd have a look and X, Y, and Z. Um, and I can always remember that day. It was a really sunny day. Coming back home, standing in my kitchen, I thought, I have to do something. I'm not as... I didn't want to sink, I'm a swimmer, but I was just drowning the whole time, popping back up every now and then. And I thought, right. And I just had this vision. And I don't know if you remember the, you won't, the program called The Prisoner. Oh, do you know what? I've seen it. Do they run reruns of it on like UK Gold and stuff? I don't know. But that's, the, I can see, picture it, me standing there as clear as daylight and thinking I could see, because it was it's made at Port Marion um, in North Wales, and it's a replica of a little Italian village that somebody loved and replicated it when they came back. And Patrick McGurn would try and escape this place because he was a prisoner, and he'd run across the ocean, and this great big ball would come out of the sea, chase after him and, and engulf him. And that's what I had this vision. It was standing beside me, and I thought, Right, I'm going to grab this ball. You're not having me. So all the my concerns, everything that was going on, solicitors, emotions, got thrown into that ball. I'm not saying they always stayed there, but that was my way of coping. And then when I needed to deal with something, I'd go in, pull something out, deal with it. If I couldn't deal with it, it would go back in. And don't get me wrong, there was loads of holes in this ball that were, you know, things were coming out. But that was my strategy of coping 
And it's, it's like I could paint this vision of me on that day. And it sort of progressed from there. Mm. And then the friend that said to me um, about dating, she had a friend that had um, a clothing shop. She said, they're opening this shop. Why don't you do a couple of days a week? And my background as a child, I've always sewn from a little girl. I was going to be a teacher, ended up hairdressing um, just by chance. That was a weird thing. Um, so I did. I applied, worked there two days a week. I mean, I just love people. I love people. And I love, I've always loved fashion. I wanted to do fashion designing. So it's always been innate in me. I'm not an academic, but I'm really creative and emotionally intelligent. So it was there that I was dressing people. And I knew when something looked right, but I didn't know why. And then people would say, Sarah, when are you going to be in? And then someone said, why don't you become a, a personal shopper? And I'm thinking, no, it's too shallow, just dressing people. There's not enough emotion in it. Well, then I started exploring it. And basically I did train. I trained with a company up in Warwick for two weeks. And when I was there, I said to Lynn, it was a fabulous coffee morning we had, where would I stay? And this little voice pops up behind me and she says, oh, Sarah, you can stay with me, who was Rose's training. Um, and we've become great friends. Mm. Uh, so it all stemmed from there. And then there was another girl, Rebecca, who was lovely. And she talked about NLP. And I said, what's that? She's neuro-linguistic programming. And um, she was telling me about how she used it and about her back problems and by doing the NLP, so resolve things. So I thought I've got to do this. So I trained, I did my practitioner's course, um, diploma. Then I did my practitioner's course in the Cotswolds. So not far from Odessa. <laughs> yeah, well, where Odessa is now. Oh, is she there now? I know she pops down there every now and then. Um, and to me, that was a life changer as well. I just thought, oh my God, the way I feel is so different. My thought process, and don't get me wrong, we all come out of that positive mindset and go negative. I've been a bit like that in the last week or so. But if you can pull yourself back into that mindset, and after a while I thought, well, if it helps me, it's going to help my clients mm. because it's not always about the clothes. Mm. Half the time it isn't. No. Um, so that's why I incorporate it in what I do. And I remember one lady was about 70 and wouldn't wear trousers because her father told her she had a big bottom when she was a little girl. So she'd hung on to that negative thought because you keep that as a childlike state in the back of your mind. And how do you get rid of it? So we did some personal shopping. We got trousers on. And I can always remember her. She looked in the mirror. She turned sideways. She stopped, stood tall. And she said, oh, I like those. And then I did some work on her. Um, it's called Timeline. And basically, four weeks later, I spoke to her. And she said, I love everything I bought. I said, but do you wear trousers? And she said all the time. So it's that part of my job. I love as much as the styling. Yeah. When you know, I've, I do get lots of, quite a few clients have tears, but for me, they're always good tears. They're not mm. bad tears. 
And and as you said, it, it isn't. It's very rarely about the clothes, actually. I say very, very rarely. It's often about something deeper than just the clothes, isn't it? It's about how people feel and, and how what you do with those people just bring them out of themselves and, and make them feel more confident in, in whatever they want to go and pursue. You talked earlier about you're quite creative. Um, and I guess it's that creativity that came up with the ball idea to kind of almost set you up as a process to get past those certain certain things in your life would you say that that is because I've never heard of that um you know with my son we have the worry monster have you ever heard of the worry monster no I know when I listen to your podcast that I love I love that podcast I had it on because sometimes podcasts you come off them and I couldn't stop listening to it because it was emotional funny informative the reality of life yeah which one the first one I've listened. Yes, I haven't listened to the second one. I've listened to the first one. Yeah, well, you're number six. Actually, no, you're not. You're number seven. <laughs> oh, that's good because I like number seven. It was my well. It still is a favourite number, but it's come to number eight now because when you do eight, it's con- constant flow. Yes. That's where I look yes. at it. Um, the worry monster is uh, like um, in Jake's form anyway. It's a teddy bear with a zip on the front, and you can stuff. Um, you write your worries down and you stuff them in the worry monster and obviously for a long time and it, I wouldn't say it's better now but it's just different because as Jake gets older that he's learning to deal with some of the concerns himself he doesn't always have to share every single thing um, and that when you were talking about the ball that was what came into my mind the worry monster where Jake sticks it in and then and 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 I think other people use it as they've got jars where they put positive quotes in or they put things that are going on in their minds and stuff like that but I think sometimes you're you're in such a a bad place and I don't mean you as in you but I mean us as humans we can't we almost lose that ability to be creative to get to to find coping mechanisms because and sometimes that's where the help comes in isn't it yeah yeah absolutely I had a client that was always lifting her right brain, and I can't tell you her story, um, but I said, you need to start losing, using your gut, your feelings. You're living in your head, mm. and you're not living in your gut. And I can always remember saying, she said, Sarah, were you, did, were you born and had a past life, or were you just wise? And I said, it's just, I use my gut, my gut feeling now. Mm. Uh, when when my, my ex-husband went with a friend, I knew for eight months what my friend was doing, but I didn't listen to my gut because in my head it was saying she wouldn't do that. But I used, so for me, what was a real negative at the time has been my biggest positive. Mm. So yeah, I do, love the worry monster though. I should have to think of that one. <laughs> do, do you feel like you used that experience um, that obviously at the time was, you know, I can't even imagine. But do you feel like going through that experience has, has made you the, the the strong woman that you are today? 100%. I had this conversation with a friend of mine who's more like a sister to me. And, you know, I look back and some people say, would you ever go back? And I said, no. I said, because no one speaks to me badly now. Let's put mm. it that way. Mm. Um, and I would shy away from things whereas my daughter says mum you're so much better you're you with your friends but with dad you were like a mouse so 
I don't have that anymore. Mm. And I think, you know, sometimes I get so passionate, I want to go out there, women and, and men, I mean, you know, it depends on situations, but I suppose primarily I'm working with women that I just want them to say, come on, ladies, you can do it. You can mm. be there on your own. I always say that you need, you should be with somebody because you want to be with them, not because you need them. Because my husband, he said, you're kind, you're caring, you're lovely to live with, but you don't need me. Mm. And I need someone that needs me. So I always think there's a correlation between the two of the need and the want. They're not mm. completely separate. Mm. So it's when you need somebody that puts an awful lot of pressure on the person to fulfill the, you know, the one that's needy. Mm. Whereas if you're with someone because you want to be with them, it's it's a much more positive. It's a bit like you're best to be with somebody. If you really, really like that person, then you'll fall in love with them. Yeah. I'm not saying that that's the case, but do you know what I mean? To like somebody and really think they're fabulous is sometimes I think much more powerful than love. No, no, I I get it. I think that kind of opens up a question in my mind around experiences and and i think because of our son and and our eldest son jake and his autism and what we've been through over the last few years in terms of learning to help him cope with certain situations in his life and it is difficult when you're young because uh, you, you don't really know how to process those thoughts um and he is getting there but it's completely changed our lives and i think any parent listening with uh, autistic children would probably agree with me you do try and shield them from things that you know are really going to cause them stress um, and and that are going to really kind of uh, cause them a a meltdown or just to completely shut off, which obviously Jake does from time to time. But listening to you, and and I think I apply this to myself as well, I'm the person I am because of some of the challenges and heartache and you know real low moments in my life that I've been through I've uh, that's why I'm where I am you know people often say um oh if I knew what I knew now 15 years ago I'd be a different person that's just not real life because actually you wouldn't be because the reality is you have to go through life to be able to take the learnings to move forward do you feel like I know, and you probably get clients like this. Do you feel like you you really do have to go through those tough moments to be able to grow the other side of it? One hundred percent, without a doubt, because you you can't get there. There's a really good saying, um, Zen saying, and I have it on my fridge, and it's cool. It says, "He knows not where he's going, for the ocean will decide. Hmm. It's not the destination; it's the glory of the ride." And it is you. You, everything you have to experience and it's how you you manifest and try and find a positive I'll always try and find a positive in a negative I know there's sometimes it's really hard and if, I suppose if somebody loses a child I had a friend lost a child and I think where is the positive in that and that is hard but I think in any situation um I've got somebody, I can't say who is exceptionally close to me, Mm. who struggles with mental health. And Mm. it's been really hard. I mean, exceptionally hard. And I wouldn't want anyone to go through it. Um, But it's, 
I, I sometimes think, how long is this process going to be before you sort of just learn, if you know what mm. I mean? I, it's hard to say what I'm saying without mentioning, but yeah, I can talk to you after. Yeah, no, and I and I get it, and I think um, there is a there is an argument that because I know people that have really struggled, um, and they've come out the other side, and and I think the older I've got, the more I've realised that no matter how bad things seem in the moment that it it can only really go one way if you almost if you just stay in if you just stay in the game somehow you accept it's going to be awful you accept you're going to feel terrible and you know i've never experienced anything as tragic as losing a child yes we've lost grandparents and stuff like that which at the time felt horrendous but nothing ever on that level but i think in general day-to-day life there's a lot that can really upset you. There's a lot that can really get you down, um, especially in the current climate. Um, and generally, most people, probably most people's households and these days are, are arguing over money um, or a lack of it. Um, and I think if you can just stay in the fight with that acceptance that this is going to be crap for a while and, and I'm going to have to wake up every day feeling that. But I've learned over the years that if you can just stay in, it does start to pick up and you never know what tomorrow brings. No, it passes, doesn't it? It, it, it? Yeah, I mean, sometimes we have those days and, you know, sometimes you fight against them and sometimes you just have to go mm. with the flow. I mean, the other day I, I wasn't very well, which is unusual for me. Um, and I'd had this sinus thing and I just slept between about four or five hours that day and I thought, stop fighting it. Just go with it mm. because it, it will pass. Mm. You know, you can fight, 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 and sometimes you just have to surrender to something. Mm. Let it flow through your body, accept it. I mean, meditating, I don't do enough, but I know when I meditate, mm. even if it's just 10 minutes, and you can clear that brain just to relax and live in that moment and just, just be. But we get caught up in that rat race, don't we? Mm. So how old is your son now? He's nearly 10, um, and we found out about his autism very young. Uh, he, he was too young for an autism diagnosis when we first knew that there was something different. Um, he was officially diagnosed with autism at four, um, but he's autism's so vast. It's such a vast spectrum, and, you know, Odessa and I went to the autism show at, at the XL on Friday, just gone. And um, a lot of the stands there were talking about, you know, schools and colleges for real extreme autism. You know, um, Jake is quite high function in the sense that he, academically he's where he needs to be. So his challenges are around his social behaviour um, and his high anxiety. Um, and that kind of brings me on to not just the schools, but obviously the workplace as well. You know, your point about just letting something run its course. I think the reason that there's so much talk about neurodiversity in schools and in the workplace is because very often these places have this mould that they want everyone to, to be in. And we see it every day in the schools. My wife works in a school and I've obviously witnessed it in the workplace over the years. And um, that that whole thing about 
let something just flow through you and let it happen naturally so that you can come out of it with the right in the right headspace that just isn't allowed to happen in these places so no matter how you feel on any given day no matter what's going on inside you you have to mask that to fit this mold and i think the the lack of education in schools and in and in general workplaces is is so extreme that it, we're we're so far off a culture where we are allowed to just do exactly what you just said something up here isn't right i need to let it take its course so that i can move forward because the 50% of the uk workforce on any given day probably isn't right for one reason or another they're not right but they have to mask they have to almost shut it down which is impossible to do for most people which probably means they're not working at capacity they're not working at their best because they're never given that outlet to release did you know that the unconventional brand has three arms the podcast you're listening to right now unconventional apparel where a percentage of the profits go to the national autistic society and most recently Think Unconventional, a social media company with busy business owners and CEOs in mind, putting your social media presence on the social media map. Well, I know in, um, I was watching a, a documentary with Joanna Lumley and she was in Berlin and I decided it's a place I need to go because she said it's so diverse and everybody is accepted. No matter who you are, you're accepted, um, which I love the fact. So, it, it, yeah, I think everyone, it, it's hard. And, you know, I, I remember when I went, I went to drama school when I was 40, something I'd always wanted to do part-time. Um, they, they taught me to never judge a book by its cover. Mm. Um, and it was just an amazing experience. And we can all do it. You know, when we see something, we see a flower, we're judging it because it's so beautiful to look at. Um, and it's like people, I mean, I was saying to you a little while ago, I had somebody that phoned me, or actually they phoned about a month ago, left a voice message, a really timid voice. I didn't know if it was a man or a woman. I couldn't tell. And, and I rang them back, didn't answer. Then about last week, I had a phone call and it was, well, it was a transvestite transitioning from male to female. So I'm going to call her Nicola because that's who she was. Mm. Had been transitioning for about a year. But they were so timid, so shy. I wasn't sure as well. I, I wasn't, it was, it was a very strange phone call, but mm. it, it, it was more, I don't, I don't know what it was. And I said, you know, I always Zoom with my clients first. I said, because I can pick up your vibes, mm. blah, 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 or, or, or I don't do technology. And I said, well, let's FaceTime. But they were either very scared of coming forward and mm. showing themselves. But I did think, was he on the spectrum, she on the spectrum somewhere? So it was really interesting. So I, I'm, I'm in the throes of messaging them again and just mm. giving them that confidence to say, look, it's okay. Mm. 
you know, because he said to me, do you mind working with transvestites? I said, no, because the day before I'd been asked and I've got to have a meeting with somebody about working because I'd find that fascinating getting into the mindset. And, you know, people don't ask to be that, you know, when your hormones are all muddled up uh, and you just have to accept people who they are. Absolutely. You know, if you if you don't like that person, you walk away. Or if you're not getting the vibes, the good energy that you need, walk away because everybody is different. They are, and I think it's funny actually that they that 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 particular person came across very shy and timid, and and almost to the point where it was like you you wonder if they're doing that because they're worried about the judgment. Um, but actually, they've done the hardest part. In, in 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 probably our eyes, looking outside in, the bravery it takes to, to actually make that decision to say, I'm not going to fight this anymore. I, I have to take action. I have to make the change. That, for me, is, is extreme bravery. Extreme bravery. She was in her um, 40s, and I know somebody in their 60s. I don't think they're going to have um, the operation but she's Laura now, and mm. that's somebody in their 60s, mm. married with children. Mm. It's interesting. Yeah, it is fascinating. And um, a couple of years ago, I, I um, worked with, uh, at the company that I worked with for 10 years, we employed uh, a lady by the name of Chloe. And the second she came in for the interview, um, it, she just blew me away not just because her character her personality um she was very open about the fact that she was gay um she dressed like a man um you know uh, she had very men male fashion all the rest of it and i loved her she was she was great and we took her on um and in the three or four months she was she wasn't there long she's only there three or four months she was, she was, she really was the old expression. She was one of the lads. You know, she loved football. She loved all the things that the boys loved, and she really got treated like one of the lads. And that, and we loved her. We really did. And um, I've recently caught up with her, but her is now him, because she is going through the the, the, the process um, and has become Connor. Um. And um, I went to see him the other day and all of a sudden it's now mate because I call all men mate. That's just my style. And uh, he came down and we were chatting and it was just the, the bravery that he has to, to go through what he's been through. And he started a company and that digital marketing agency. And there was just outwardly, there was just no fear, no fear of the process and what people would say or think. And and I just find it incredible. I really do. Yeah, no, it is amazing. And it, it's sad when people are stuck in that body that isn't really theirs. I remember I'm going back. I mean, I'm 64 now, so I'm going to be going about, I must have been about 19. And my cousin knew somebody and they'd had this exchange and he said, it never felt right. Mm. Um, he said, I've felt that I always felt that I was this this man or this young boy but I needed to be in a woman's body and I think you know to come out and 
and be truthful about it. I mean, I know pe- lots of people are a bit strange about it, but I think well, great on you for having the courage to do it, come out and say how you're feeling, because it is everything in life is about how we feel. Mm-hmm. I think um, exactly that. And I think we can very easily link this to, to um, neurodiversity, because although that isn't, technically neurodiversity it's all the same principles exactly what you've just said people right now people don't feel comfortable being themselves in a lot of situations and i think what we're trying to do with jake is make it make it very much okay to be the person he wants to be to to say what he wants to say to live life how he wants to live because i've met a lot of adults over the years in in my profession and because of what I know of Jake and the learnings we've had over the last eight, nine years, I can just tell whether they've got a label or not, I, I know they're on the spectrum. Probably because I see a lot of it in myself. And some of them are confident with it, but many of them have become very introvert, very kind of inward, can't even look you in the face. And, and unless you're tuned into that, you can think that these people are rude. That, like, that, unless you're tuned into it like I am because of my experiences, those people can be very easily misread. And I think a lot of that is because they spent their youth masking who they really are. And by the time you get to an adult, that's just the norm. And that's causing a lot of adults a lot of problems when it comes to employment, when it comes to trying to get to get work. Um, when I was at my last place that didn't last, um, I put a job ad out on LinkedIn and one of my connections came to me and said, I'm autistic, I'd love to work with you. And, and for me, if it had been my company, I'd have snapped him up in a heartbeat. But he didn't pass the first stage of the of the interview process because they were very set on someone having to do a video, um, like a five-minute video talk of themselves and why they're a great fit. To me, I'll do that all day long. I can do that in my sleep. I do video with, without even thinking. Some people, as I said in my video yesterday, are petrified. You put a video in front of them and they're just petrified. And I acknowledge that. But I think so many people make that judgment call of, well, if I find it easy, then everyone else can do it. No, I, I completely agree. I mean, like you, I don't, I'm much better doing lives than I am written work because I'm dyslexic. Right. So I've really, I've really struggled with that. And, you know, you give me a word that's got loads of vowels in it. To me, it looks like googly gook. Mm. <laughs> and that's been really hard sometimes to say that I am dyslexic but to me it's the easiest way out and sometimes that's why it takes me ages doing posts on LinkedIn because I think have I have I put that right have I done it the right way or x y and z so everyone has their thing that they're they excel in or they feel happier in or they feel comfortable in so no and it's like when people they have um interviews I think so many people miss the boat because everything is written on paper. If you haven't got this, that, and the other, you're discarded. And I think that this person has got the gift of the gab, they've got the character, they've got 
they've got so much about them you need to see those people and this is why i hate this interview process mm. they get people just get pushed out you haven't got the university you haven't got this you haven't got that so you're not worth it mm. makes me scream uh, yeah and it's funny actually because when i told you about um connor who obviously was chloe she was very very open about everything when she came in for interview with absolutely no fear but i know the probably the vast majority of people that are on the spectrum agonize over whether to actually tell the uh, someone at an interview stage or not um i think it takes practice and it takes um a certain type of person to just be very open and honest about all of those things i mean you've just been honest about dyslexia um i'm my wife is convinced that jake's autism comes from me um i think i'm probably more adhd because i've done the tests i've done a hell of a lot of research um and i i, I haven't gone along and actually spoken to anyone yet but i probably will and if I'm honest, I, I will probably open up about it. But there will be a part of me, as there is with lots of people that I've spoken to, that thinks, I wonder if that will limit the type of person that wants to work with me. That that will go into my head. It, it is hard, really hard. You know, slightly going back, I remember about diversity and, and allowing children to be themselves. Have you heard of the Steiner education? No. I know I've heard of Rudolf Steiner. Yeah, there's a Steiner school in Lingfield, and my cousin in Australia, both her girls went there. And what I love about it, they don't teach you to read. They read, they just read books, they make stories, because a child isn't really receptive to about seven properly. I mean, some children will pick up a book and they'll automatically do it. Um, but it they didn't have lessons, they didn't have music lessons, it was part of life. They wanted biscuits, they had to make biscuits, so they, they went in the garden, they made things. It was all about life mm. and how life is and encompassed who they were. There wasn't any, you know, you're bright, you can read, you can do that. It was just all encompassing. And I just love the the idea of Steiner School embracing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean it sounds it sounds like we could probably do with a bit of it here, to be perfectly honest. We um we actually went to look at a school, a secondary school, um, the other day for Jake. Even though he's only year five, he doesn't go till next September. We have to get in now. Um and obviously Jake has an EHCP at the moment because he's got he's got a diagnosis, so he has a one to one in primary school. Um and um he's as I say, academically he's he's doing where he needs where he needs to be. But I think we see a hell of a lot of masking in Jake because very often he comes home and that's when the explosion happens because he's kept it together for six hours and the school haven't necessarily given him that outlet to to be himself within the school system. But in my opinion and what I see from what the conversations I have with Linz, my wife, everything everything in the school system in this country is about the academics. It, it, it's just everything is about that and... I look at it and I think to myself, I, I was an average student. Like I, I got C's in my GCSEs. I didn't take any further education other than art, when most of the time I was in a shopping center or building something out of wood. Um, and it's not really done me any harm. 
Uh, it, you know, it hasn't done me any harm. So I, I know it's important. I would never, ever, ever belittle what the work and the teachers do. But the system, in my opinion, is outdated. It needs to change. It needs to shift. I think that's right. And, and actually, it was funny because my son's just written the first four pages of a book. Um, he's nine years old. He wants to be an author, he says, when he gets older. And he's written these these four pages of this book. And you should hear, it, it was honestly, it's like it's been written by an adult. And when we went for his um, his assessment, his yearly assessment that we have with his teacher and the Senko at school and his one-to-one, they were saying that they laugh at Jake, not in a bad way, but they laugh at Jake every single day because of the words that come out of his mouth. Um, because he, he doesn't realise he's funny, but he just he lives in this world where he just sees things differently to, to everyone else and that makes people laugh and it entertains people. And I think if we can tap into that and embrace it rather than people just, if they don't fit, as I said before, if they don't fit that mould, that box that we've become accustomed to because of our 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years of life, you know, if we can embrace that that different opinion, that different way of doing things, actually, it will open things up for 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 not just our own education, but it just it it helps the world evolve, doesn't it? Uh, oh, I I couldn't agree more. It's funny because I remember my son. He he when he was younger, he was hopeless at sport. Um. He was, he's six foot seven. He's, he's got, he's like squiddly diddly. He's got, his arms and legs were just everywhere. And he was all, he was born happy and always has. But um, he, he, he struggled with, um, he didn't want to read. He'd put words in and take words out. And in the end, I said, I'm not doing this anymore. Chuck it away and just let him. And then when he was about nine, he just started reading, picking up. He got first at uni. Um, but the teachers always used to say to me, I don't know where Tim's mind goes, but the questions he asks or the thoughts. And I'm thinking, that's me. <laughs> it's not me. Um, but he actually, he was hopeless at sport um, until he found rowing and he became wow. an under 23 GB rower. Wow. So, you know, you have to just sometimes, you know, all this sitting down, doing your spellings, doing this, I think, for God's sake, sometimes, yes, we need it, but there's other ways of doing things um, um, are so different. It's funny because a friend of mine, um, she teaches RHSE, so Relationships and Sex Education, mm. in a very different way to how we used to teach you here. She goes into schools, and I, it's completely different. It's, she's Danish, and it's more the way the Danish are, you know, using the terminology the right term and Johnny for body parts and bits and pieces. And she did a, they had a Hindu the other day. And I don't tell you on this Hindu that they got them making into these molds. I'll tell you later. <laughs> it, it, it was absolutely brilliant. But she's the same. It She includes diversity in mm. every form. And, and it's talking, children talking about emotions and nothing Things shouldn't be taboo. Obviously, there's a time and a place if you're out and et cetera, but you've got to be allowed to be who you are. Mm. Um, you know, as soon as you start squashing, it's just, oh, yeah. And I think yeah. I know that from my 
my dyslexia and, and the way I feel. And I still feel sometimes, am I good enough? But then you get that other little voice. So it's always trying to get rid of that monkey off your shoulder or the chimp, whatever it is. I've forgotten the name of the book. <laughs> it, it's, do you know what though? It, 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 I, do, I do appreciate how hard it is because probably up until we had Jake and I met Linz, my wife, I'd lived life a certain way. And my benchmark of right and wrong was my parents, who were at that point were in their late 50s. And they'd lived life a certain way. And my mum and dad were very cautious in life. They didn't really take risks. And they'd obviously live life benchmarking their parents and, and so on and so on. And it, it takes a lot to break from that. And I think when Linz came into my life, we we our first six months was rocky to say the least because I'd been used to doing whatever I wanted. And I've been single for years. She'd been in relationships, so she understood the 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 whole thing around compromise. And whereas I just didn't compromise. I'd I'd just done what I want. I lived in my own flat. Um and it was like she she was very strong with me and said this isn't how you have a relationship. This is, you know, there's some great things here that I want this, which is why I want to pursue it. But we got to make some changes here. Um, and 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 it was amazing, really. And I could have resisted that, but for some reason I didn't, and I went with it. And she she changed me completely. And then Jake came along, and our world evolved again. But I think unless something happens in your life that moment of clarity where you realize actually the last 30 years haven't all been wrong but actually there's another way it's difficult to then from an outsider trying to dictate and and or, or in my words educate some people are just so resistant to that change because they don't see a need to change do they no, uh, and I know exactly where you're like on that. I mean, uh, one of my, my eldest daughter, I ha- I'm very wary of the words that I use with her um, because she, she struggles. Um, yeah, and it, it's really difficult. So I'm aware of how I say things. Mm. And instead of telling anyone to do something, it's more about suggesting it and trying to gradually pull them over and to see things differently. And I remember her phoning up one day, she said, mum, I need to ask you a question. She said, I thought I'd ask you. She said, because I know that you'll understand me. Mm. Um, Even though she thinks I'm a bit wacky sometimes in the way I think, because I think outside the box and think different ways, there's different ways of doing things. But I thought there's some, every now and then I think, something's got through she's thinking differently um whereas my son and my other daughter will understand and they can see the other point of view the other sides of things but she really struggles Mm. seeing that i think you're right delivery is key isn't it and um i i put a post up a while back on on social media and i did it on three separate channels i did it on instagram tiktok and linkedin and it was about the fact that there's there's people that glamorize the whole I just say what I want to say I'm blunt I don't really care how people think of it um, it gets the message across and I I hate that because 
Lindsay and I have lived our lives having to learn how to deliver. And I think I spent so much of my career as a manager since the age of 22 for almost 20 years in two different industries, trying to look after and educate and influence people to uh, and get people to buy into me as a, as a manager so that they would go on and, and, and develop themselves and the, and the work would get done, of course. And I had to deliver the same message five different ways sometimes to make sure that it was received by the recipient. So I don't like it when people just say, I just say what I want and regardless. And that message got actually quite a lot of hate on TikTok and Instagram but it was well received on LinkedIn. Yeah, well, on Instagram, it's most probably the ego mm. um, thing. Whereas, yeah, I, I completely agree with you because some people take things in auditory, kinesthetically. We all take information in differently. And that's why I always say all these youngsters, they get on these dating apps, they start messaging. They're just words. There's no emotion, no intention behind it. So you can read it with your own intention. Then when you have a, um, a phone call, obviously it goes up another step, doesn't it? So you can hear the emotion behind that voice. But it's not till you actually meet that person that you get the whole picture. So to me, texting, you cannot text with any form of emotion in it or a conversation between people because you can't, you can't get that across. Every, it, it's just pointless it's absolutely ridiculous mm. so yeah no I do agree it needs to be people take things differently some people can be really sensitive and and then you have to explain I didn't mean it this is why and this is what I felt so you mm. do you have to be really aware of how people take on that information you do Sarah this has been um this has been a real pleasure today um I you and I have never met so uh, I had no idea what to expect um, but it's been a, a really enjoyable hour um, and I think the listeners uh, will enjoy this one um, once we edit out the fact that we had to do it over two videos. Um, but never mind, <laughs> it makes it all much more, more fun. So uh, thank you very much for giving up your time. Thank and telling you us, so uh, much, Andy. Interesting. And I, I'm, I keep looking behind you at the cars. I want to know the story behind the cars. Um I love Lego. It's the only thing that shuts me off. Is that Lego? Yeah, it's all Lego. I've still got my Lego that I had when I was a child in the shed and I'll never get rid of it. Yeah, my mum has. My mum's still got all mine and my brother's Lego and uh, my boys now go and play with it. Yeah, I do love Lego. Mm. Um, Sarah, thank you very much once again and um, we will speak again very soon.